Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. And welcome to another hour dedicated to inquiry, reflection, questions, possibilities, and more. All in our effort to understand exactly what enlightenment means and what it is to be enlightened. Indeed, an hour dedicated to learning something more about ourselves, an hour designed to help us integrate all of our knowledge and perhaps even challenge some of those old ideas about the world we live in and the people we have become. This is an hour where we strive to evaluate knowing as inseparable from the total experience of reality. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. Every week we share some of your letters as our way of respecting the very important role you have in making this show successful. Last week our guest was Nancy Dutetra, and we spoke about the world of psychic intuition. One of our former guests, and a regular in our chat room, Elaine Clayton, wrote, Eldon, I liked your guest today. I felt very in sync with her in terms of philosophy of practice and perceptions of what it is to be psychic and intuitive. Also, I felt we both have the same understanding in terms of using logic and experience as integrated into intuitive awareness, rather than seeking being intuitive or psychic as compartmentalized. Lastly, the story she told of the psychic, who was extremely hurtful to a mother, really reminded me of some of the things you and I spoke about on P.E. Well, I think by P.E. she means provocative enlightenment, huh? I love the show, and I am glad I participate in the chat room, which only gives more volume to the experience of listening in. Now, that's a very nice plug for your chat room, Rav. What have you got to say about that? We just have a good chat room. You know, if you're not there, you're missing out. Eldentaylor.com forward slash chat. All right. <laughs> Dennis wrote regarding a question that also came up during last week's show. Quote, I think that everyone who has something legitimate to offer the world should be able to charge for his or her time. After all, time is money. Nancy went to law school and should be able to charge for that. And she invested time and money in learning psychic abilities. So she should be able to charge for that as well. Close quote. Pam wrote, I love your show on the radio. Thanks for doing that. Well, thank you, Pam, and I love doing it. Deborah wrote, I'm very excited to listen to your free MP3s. I enjoy your show very much. Okay, now I'm going to take advantage of Deborah's letter to remind all of you of our free MP3 InterTalk programs. These are not samples. This is the real deal, the patented, improved, effective InterTalk technology. We have several programs for the downloading. We think it is just part of our own pay-it-forward efforts. So get yours today. Just go to intertalk, I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K, dot com, and choose free programs from the left-hand navigation pane. Or, in the alternative, if you happen to be in Ravinder's chat room, you can exit the chat room at eldentaylor.com and also find those free programs there. But don't exit the chat room until after the show. You were going to say something? I actually make it even easier. If you come to the chat room, you will find the links directly above and below the uh, chat room box. It will take you directly to the free MP3s. I like to make it easy for you. That's good. Okay, Maria wrote, Today as I was listening to your Intertalk CD entitled Natural Pain Relief, I felt a noticeable change in the pain in my left shoulder. As there was a relaxation and calming the tension, left that shoulder. It was the first time in a long time my body and brain were not focused on pain. Thank you. 
Well, hey, thank you, Maria. I love the feedback, and great for you. And, and you know, continued success. E.M. wrote, in a world of illusion, it is of great comfort to have a person and vehicle that one can trust. Eldon Taylor is that person and his medium, a vehicle of growing and waking up. What do you say to that? Thank you, E.M. I'll do my very best to live up to your words. Ravinder, I'm not sure about her. Okay. <laughs> I'm teasing, of course. All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters. But I do invite you to opine by sending your email to Eldon. That's E-L-D-O-N at eldentaylor.com or by joining me on Facebook. You can also just leave comments on my website. I do try to read all of your letters. I answer most. Obviously, we can't get them all on the air, but they do impact our programming. And again, I thank you for your support. Now to today's show. What? next a survival guide to the 21st century perhaps a more relevant way to ask the question in view of the subject of today's show would be something like what does astrology tell us in the coming 21st century for our guest today as a professional astrologer okay now a lot of people think of astrology and fortune cookies in the same breath Pick up a local newspaper, and there you will find a corner dedicated to informing you about what to expect for the day. Visit your friendly Mongolian restaurant for lunch, and with the delivery of the bill will come your fortune cookie, also offering information about your future. Read the tarot, throw the bones, scatter the I Ching sticks, horoscopes, divinatory decks, numerology, psychic reading, and so forth. All of these traditions are said to tell the future. But how certain are any of them. After all, if we are to have free will, then nothing is absolutely fixed, is it? Some hold strong to the truth behind astrology, pointing out that many cultures have attached importance to astronomical events. Further, the Indians, Chinese, and Mayans developed elaborate systems for predicting terrestrial events from celestial observations. However, with an eye to the devil's advocate position, those who ridicule and criticize astrology, such as Chaz Booth, make comments such as this, quote, Astrology is a handy crutch for those who are repelled by the more overtly reactionary, inhumane aspects of conventional religions, but are not yet ready to free themselves from supernatural preordination systems, close quote. Now, that remark may seem flattering when you consider the less sympathetic criticism leveled by James Randi, who considers it all to be an outrageous hoax. In Science and Skepticism, astrology is treated in three short sentences, and I quote, The consensus of the scientific community is that astrology is an ineffective pseudoscience. The ineffective conclusion is based on various statistical studies. The pseudoscience conclusion is a comment on the astrology community's disinterest in rigor and standards, close quote. So what's the truth? Well, for me, the truth is always in the pudding. The pragmatist in me says, what works? Now, anyone offering so-called premonitions and or outright predictions will be correct some of the time. And more often than not, if the prediction is very broad and fits a general trend, For instance, I could predict that the economy will probably continue to struggle some this year. 
and that the TV airways will be filled with vituperous language, attacking, belittling, berating, and otherwise delivering insulting propaganda about political parties and candidates. Now, obviously, my first prediction is so general and trendy that it would shock most if it turned out to be indefensible. And my second is more of a sure bet than a prediction in a presidential election year. Enter today's guest, an astrologer with an impressive record of predictions, Linda Sherman. She has had a private practice in astrology for over 37 years and serves an international clientele that includes corporations, finance service companies, and private individuals. Linda is the author of the book, What Next? A Survival Guide to the 21st Century. And many of her past predictions have been amazingly accurate in regards to the economy, environmental climate changes, political cycles, and so forth. She is also currently the editor and publisher of an online newsletter found on her website, which is soothsayer.com, and is a regular guest on Coast to Coast with my friend George Nury, who, by the way, will be rejoining us right here on Provocative Enlightenment in April. So let's get her in here to answer the tough questions and take your phone calls. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Linda Sherman. Well, it's a pleasure to be on your wonderful show, Eldon. Well, thank you very much. Let's begin by having you tell us about yourself and how you became a professional astrologer, please. Well, basically, I met a professional astrologer many years ago who was a very brilliant woman with many academic degrees who actually constructed my own chart for me and made some highly specific and accurate predictions about the direction of my life and was tremendously helpful to me in terms of my being able to make decisions about where I wanted to go and what I wished to do and giving my life, in a sense, a great sense of meaning and purpose. So she actually got me interested, and I started to read some astrology books and and then got more and more interested in in my studies, taking courses, etc., until I finally became a professional astrologer myself. So this isn't something that... uh that your family did? This is something that in, in real life you encountered and, and the impact was significant enough to get you to study it. Do I have that right? You have it right, yes. It, okay. my, my family background and my cultural background is tremendously in contrast to what most people conceive of as uh, a person who would go into astrology. I was a, a school teacher, a writer. Uh, my college degrees are in English and education. Uh, and my father happened to be an evangelical minister from the Bible Belt in the Midwestern United States. Okay, now that's good. See, we, we, now we got out what I wanted to. Okay, this, this is provocative enlightenment. So we like to discover who the messenger is, what the message is, and then, of course, how we use it. Now, as such, your skills seem perfectly fitted to the tasks you predicted that 2011 would be a year in which the public raised up against big government. Now, there are those that think the Occupy Wall Street movement fulfilled this prediction, despite the fact that our president and his administration are not only growing government, but also siding with the Occupy group. So let me ask you this. 
Do you see this as satisfying your prediction, and if so, how? Yes. Uh, my prediction, actually, uh, <clears throat> was that the 2011-2012 would be a period which would be the beginning of what I called the Second American Revolution. Uh, actually, the, I called the Second American Revolution actually started in Tunisia and Egypt, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I found to be very interesting. I think that there was some inspiration going on there about overthrowing uh, despotic regimes and moving mm-hmm. toward a more democratic system. And my prediction is that this is going to go on for a long time, accompanied by this grand economic depression. This is not a recession. This is a depression with real unemployment, somewhere around 22%. We are going to have to reassess all entities that are powerful, that have a concentration of power, whether it is the government or Wall Street, whether it is big business or big government. Most of our presidents in recent years have been very ambiguous about what they are really supporting. My take on this is that giant uh, uh, corporations, billionaires, and what I call banksters have literally bought the government. Uh, And the Citizens United uh, decision back in 2000, January of 2010, reassured that giant PACs and corporations could literally inundate the media with ads for whatever candidate they wish to support. Uh, These people in Congress, White House, everywhere, are so indebted to these people who have to finance their campaigns uh, that they they become almost shills for those people. Now, my my feeling is it's not about government versus uh, Wall Street or, or versus the corporate world. It's about the concentration of power both ways. We were supposed to have a government by and for the people, which were the ideals of our founding fathers, and that is gone as far as I'm concerned. And the aspect I was talking about is Uranus, which is revolution versus uh, squared uh, or in conflict with Pluto in Capricorn, which has to do with the establishment. So that we're in a war, in a sense, an ideological and an economic war of the established units of power, which control everything, versus the general well-being of the people at large. And that's how I'm seeing it. And this was the same thing we happened when the colonists rebelled against the British Empire. Right. So I see a return. I predicted this because we see a return of certain... See, astrologers go back in history, and we look at planetary patterns that were present in these previous times that are returning now, uh, bringing about cycles of change and areas of emphasis. And the times that Pluto transited Capricorn, the two times, were the Protestant Reformation in Europe when the authority of the Catholic Church was questioned and to some degree overturned by Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation. The next time after that, in the 1700s, was the American Revolution, when the colonists questioned the authority of the British Empire. Uh, So 
Interestingly enough, now we have Pluto back in Capricorn again, and existing systems are all being, people are suddenly waking up to the fact that they have been fooled and they have gone along with the plan or whatever they, which is, I know, such a wonderful, you do such a wonderful job of helping people to face the truth and uncover things and then have the power of their own central psyches to do the right thing when these things arise. So that, that my feeling about this is we have a long haul ahead of us uh, that the aspects and the planetary configurations would suggest that the bottom of this depression is around 2020. And by the period 2024 to 2026, we are, what lies ahead is the opportunity to transform ourselves historically in phenomenally positive ways. So I see the ultimate outcome of all of this turmoil, whether it started with the Occupy Wall Street movement or any other movement that is questioning the the current hierarchy of authority, that we will move in, I think, at that point to a very different new kind of era where we will get our democracy back. Okay, now I want to pursue that, but you jumped ahead of my next question, so I'm going to insert it right here. Obviously, you don't see the end of the Mayan calendar, December 21st, as some eschatological event then. It's just like the Gregorian calendar ending. Or reinterpret that for me. Oh, that's a very good question, and I get, especially this year, (laughs) getting this as as a great question. I feel that that all of these dramatic uh, changes, which are talked about at great length concerning what the Mayan calendar has had to say, um, really that that date in and of itself is not the end of the world. In fact... (laughs) In fact, uh, I have a, a little uh, sentence on my website newsletter that says, this is the end of the world. We're not getting off that easily. <laughs> that, um, uh, that that particular point in time, uh, an arbitrarily agreed upon time, actually gives us a lot of valuable information if we would listen to it. Uh, the it, it really it's taken years of certain policies economically and politically and ideologically uh, etc for us to get to a point where our civilization our western civilization and the things that we've been familiar with in terms of the economic paradigms are truly coming to an end, but they're not just ending on the, the, the winter solstice of this year. Well, you know, now, like yourself, uh, Lynn, I I come from a a very conservative background, a very redneck, law enforcement-oriented, blue-collar background. And uh, so to me, when I look at how how this consciousness movement has has changed, and 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 I have genuinely seen a change in consciousness around the world, uh, in my lifetime, I think back to Marilyn Ferguson and and her work with the Aquarian conspiracies and and and, and that kind of a movement, as opposed to as thinking of 2012 as being a catalyst or even a midpoint. And you're the astrologer, planetary this and planetary that is what everybody is talking about with 2012. What, what do the planets tell you this date means? 
uh, well, do you mean at this particular point in time? Or yeah, or December twenty first, twenty twelve. Okay. Uh, well, I think that that, that there uh, that this is a time of great uh, argument and dissent. We've gone from a period, at least here in the United States, of kind of collectively being in a coma. <laughs> coming Mm -hmm. out of a coma, uh, coming into a place where we have to look at the realities around us and who did what and how did all of this happen. And I just feel that this this year uh, is going to be more of a year of awakening. Now, what is awakening? Some of the awakening that I'm talking about with Uranus in Aries uh, squared to Pluto that we talked about earlier, uh, the awakening uh, is what has been really going on. What is the truth? What are the issues that have built up? How did Wall Street bring the global economy down with the derivatives trade and the financializing of subprime mortgages throughout the world, etc., which I talk about mm-hmm. in my book and I talk about on, on my website. Uh, how did all this happen? And we start beginning to wake up and then... What I feel is omni-important is how are we going to approach this? Are we going to approach it by taking responsibility for our individual spiritual and psychological development that we look at this time as a challenge to a kind of a childlike uh, willingness to be, in a sense, uh, fooled and uh, by mass advertising and, and or are we going to take the responsibility for what I think is the important message? And this is my opinion, not necessarily that of other astrologers, that this may be the greatest period in human history to awaken to what I call a super consciousness about ourselves and our place in the universe uh, to move from a predator-prey society into a loving society in which we recognize one another as part of each other, uh, that, we, that we get rid of the old partitions and barriers and dualities which have put us into a competitive relationship with one another, uh, creating a society of wars, a society which has cannibalized the planet for natural resources. Uh, that we're moving from that we may begin to see that this isn't working, and we may be moving into an entirely different relationship with one another and with the planet as a whole. And that's where I, I think the whole, uh, what the planets are really telling us. Some astrologers hey, we, would agree and others would disagree with me. We have a hard break coming up. I want to pursue that some with you. I, I, I think, you know, indeed... That should be our focus, not the kinds of earth events that we may or may not see and have seen. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about the West Coast earthquake, as a matter of fact, that you have predicted. The book we're talking about is What Next? A Survival Guide to the 21st Century. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment. We're talking with Linda Sherman, and when we come back, we'll ask her to take a few of your phone calls. Now, if you're not in our chat room, now's the time to get there. Just go to eldentaylor.com. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss what's coming up after these words from our friends. 
Eldon's international best-selling book, Mind Programming, is a must-read if you wish to live awake in a world of sheeples. Film producer Jeff Warwick had this to say about Mind Programming. Dr. Eldon Taylor's new book is a must-read. If you've ever questioned your purpose in life or felt bound by a culture that's driven by mass media, you now have at your fingertips the knowledge and tools to break the chains of this cycle. Eldon goes in-depth to illustrate and expose how we've been programmed from birth by social constraints, and he methodically reveals the psychological techniques that advertisers, politicians, corporations, and the media use to control us. He then provides strategies and solutions to free your mind from these tactics and rise to a new level of consciousness. As you read this book, you'll feel the blinders being removed and will truly see the world in an entirely new light. Get your copy today online or at fine bookstores everywhere. Every day, every moment, we face choices. Yet, how many of those choices are truly our own? Are you ready to step onto the path of discovery? Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestseller, Choices and Illusions. Now revised, updated, and expanded. Eldon combines provocative information, scientific research, and his own life's journey into a powerful message that we have the power to change. All we must do is be willing to choose to take the chance and change. Get your copy today from all bookstores. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're discussing the book, What Next? A Survival Guide to the 21st Century with author Linda Sherman. But before we get back to today's show, I want to once again invite you to like our Facebook fan page for Provocative Enlightenment Radio. As a fan of the show, you'll always know where we are and what's on next. I would also like to invite you to join me on Facebook. And while you're there, uh, you know, while you're there, join me on Facebook. And you can also follow me on Twitter. That's I'll untie, uh, untie my tongue, maybe here in a minute. If you like our show, please do spread the word. We genuinely appreciate your support. All right, let's get back to the show. Before the break, I promised that we would take phone calls, and we will. But first, I introduced uh, one of Linda's uh, forecasts, and I think it's a particularly important one as we talk about 2012, as a lot of people interpret weather uh, conditions and natural catastrophes as all warm-ups to a much bigger this or that. Uh, you're on record, Linda, as having forecast a significant earthquake on the West Coast that will extend down into Mexico between May and June of 2012. Tell us about that. Yes, there are uh, the Pluto-Uranus square. Pluto will reach the 8-9 degree of Capricorn, which we have historically tracked. Um, that degree was activated in 1906 and in 1989, when there were two very significant earthquakes in the San Francisco, in San Francisco, and in that area, uh, this time there are, it's backed up by the uh, solar eclipse squared Neptune on May 20th and the lunar eclipse on the ascendant of the USA in June. Uh, my feeling is it's somewhere, but possibly between May and June, that there may be a significant earthquake experienced in those regions. 
um, I feel that because Pluto and Uranus are square to one another through the end of 2015, and these things really started back in 2010, uh, 2011, my feeling is that we're in an increase in what I call tectonic cycles of volcanoes and earthquakes uh, that are more severe and more frequent than during most periods of time. Uh, and now, I, by, by making these predictions, my position is not to scare everybody of <laughs> their feet, right. because we're all living in times in which a lot of things are, are being challenged all the way around climate, tectonic events, uh, the economy. I feel that all of these challenges are to help us get in touch with the core inner self and a core inner strength that is perhaps just as real or more real than the external reality. So the idea is to be peaceful, take these things into consideration, and then make a really smart decision about what you wish to do. Do you wish to uh, maybe project white light and love to these regions of the world? Maybe a mass collective meditation may have some uh, external effect on these things. Uh, the least that can happen is that you'll do what is appropriate for you personally during these times. Okay, now you say this is a significant quake, and I know you've got to be familiar with Gordon Michael Scallion. Yes, I and, am. Mm -hmm. And his predictions and, and his future maps. Is this the quake that sinks part of the coast? I don't know whether it's the quake, uh, because I think that the West Coast region, all of this area from Alaska all the way down into Mexico, is a part of this ring of fire area in the Pacific. Uh, last year, I predicted a severe earthquake and possible tsunami in Japan in my February newsletter, which took place in March, because I looked at the chart of Japan, and I looked at historically what had gone on before. Uh, these areas are prone to these kinds of uh, tectonic events. Uh, and my feeling is that when they are activated by the planets, it, it increases the probability of something like this happening. Don't you live in California? I do not. I live actually in okay. New York State. All right. So you're going to make sure you're not in California. <laughs> well, my husband and I, when I was writing my book, and uh -huh. we have to understand that astrology talks about cycles. It's similar in many ways to weather forecasting. It talks about the coming and going of various cycles, points of emphasis, historically what happened. As I was doing my book, I had to do research. I had to research macroeconomics. I had to research global tectonics. I had to do a tremendous amount of research to back up what I was saying astrologically. Uh, at that time, my husband and I were had decided to make a serious decisions in our lives about how we were going to live during these cycles. Mm -hmm. uh, and we wound up, we got completely out of debt, <laughs> we used a number of things, we released ourselves from any kind of debt, paid off our mortgage, we bought a house in Ithaca, New York, which is right near Cornell University 
and mm-hmm. Ithaca College, where there is a culture of, of green here, of organic farming and gardening. We have plenty of supply of inland fresh water because with Neptune now in Pisces, we're going to be facing global potable water crises. So up here we have, we're in the Finger Lakes. Uh, region, and uh, it's not famous for having earthquakes or volcanic eruptions, but most of all, this community here in Ithaca, is, uh, which is the American headquarters, by the way, for the Dalai Lama, is right. very famous for its kindness, its community cooperation, uh, its spirit of helping each other. Uh, so for all of those reasons put together, we moved up here. We have an income-producing property, which is another thing I advised people before the housing crash, uh, to get a property where you may have an apartment that you could rent. Uh, so we took all the advice that I gave people in my newsletters and in my book and moved up here, and we have not looked back. So when... Uh... When you said, when Linda said, run to the hills, the hills for you turned out to be Ithaca, New York. Exactly. Let's take a phone call, and when we come back, (laughs) after after a phone call or two, I want to pursue the economy with you and some of the investment advice that you make available in your newsletter. But I promised our callers, phone callers, phone calls. So let's go to line one and talk to Marcia out of Hollywood, Florida. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Marcia. Hi. Uh, actually, I don't know if my question is going to be in line with what your show is today, um, but I just wanted to ask a quick question. Uh, sure. I'm a person who has tried different spiritual paths throughout my life, my whole life. I'm 56 years old now, and if you probably ask me, I probably will say, yeah, I tried it, did it. Um, currently an animal advocate involved in anti-horse slaughter activity, um, so my passion in my work right now Champion is saving animal. animals. Um I think what my question is, and if it's not on target with the show, I apologize, but for those of us who have had to deal with and struggle with the reality of mental illness, I am bipolar, um, the question of spirituality becomes confusing because in many cases um, one doesn't know if they are experiencing something that's real or it's part of the illness. And it took me all this time to finally admit that I do have a problem and I do need to be on medication, and it does help me. But I don't know if anyone can address it or if it would even be proper to address on this show. I think it's always a relevant question. Do you want to take that one, Linda? Well, Eldon, I actually think this is your field. Uh, This is what you have written so much about so beautifully. Uh, uh, So it may be a question that you may want to answer. You know, I think the bottom line is here very quick, like, because uh, I can't do this, you know, justice, Marcia, and still stay with the vein of the show. We have to understand that our body and the hormones, the, the, the neurochemistry definitely influences our mood. We have to understand that there are areas of the brain that, that when stimulated or when for all intent and purposes, they cease to function in a balanced way, can give rise to producing some some behavior that we would say is amoral, immoral. When you deal with uh, a mental condition, you're, you're no doubt going to find that you have some very broad mood swings. And in, in some of these states, and, and I'm using mood loosely here, in some of these states, you're going to find that 
you feel spiritually connected. But then the very next moment, there's going to be a disconnect and, mm-hmm. and, and even a sense of, of jadedness, uh, a sense of like, well, am I doing something wrong? I couldn't be doing something wrong, so maybe it's wrong. And, and that whole process keeps you out of balance with regard to your spiritual quest, if you will. Now, with that said, I'm just going to, to say this. What I, what I know from my own personal experience and from the clinical data works with regard to spirituality is trust. You know, the largest problem that we have is seeing ourselves as being who we really are, um, that eternal being that has been gifted uh, life, been gifted all that we are and all that we can ever be. And trusting in just that one uh, presupposition is is how you can find spirituality. I don't think you can necessarily find it in a church or necessarily find it following a guru, especially when you have uh, the you're dealing with uh, the neurochemical issues that you're dealing with. Now, if you stay on the line, Marcia, uh, I will have my producer, one of my producers, Joe, pick up your uh, information, your mailing address, etc. I have a gift that I'm going to send you that you may find also assist you. I appreciate your phone call. Was that? I I hope that was of some benefit to you. That was good. I mean, this is not a topic that one can talk about within five minutes. But well, it's two minutes of what two hours might be. So, but you stay on the line. We'll get your information, and I'll send you a gift. All right. All right. Thank you. Uh, Let's now go to line two and speak to Maria in Los Angeles, California. Maria, do you have a question for our guest today? Yes, please. How would this um, prediction about California will affect uh, the economy, the geography, and, uh, of course, um, how is my career finances will be affected since I live here? That's a very good question, Linda. You must get a lot of those when you make a <laughs> forecast of this kind. Yes. Well, you know, <clears throat> astrology has its limitations as well. If I had your individual astrological chart... I could look at that and perhaps target uh, what you would have a tendency to be experiencing during this time. Uh, my I'm, feeling, a Cap, I'm, a, I'm a Capricorn. Well, I would need to see this is just your sun sign alone. It doesn't really tell me very much. You have to have a birth date, including the year, the mm-hmm. time of birth, and the place of birth, and construct a whole chart from that. Okay. But having said that, uh, there is definitely, if there is a significant earthquake in these regions, which possibly shuts down the electricity for a while, could uh, create uh, problems with water, uh, we don't know. Uh, the astrologers do not know how severe this is going to be or <clears throat> from what point it, it may be taking place. Um, but there is definitely going to be an effect on the economy of the entire United States with a serious uh, condition like that in California. It will affect all of us uh, pretty more or less depending on where we're located and how we're set up in life. But yes, uh, it, it will be uh, something that would definitely affect the economy. However, I want to say this. There are a lot of places in California where people are, are organized communally. They grow their own food organically. 
they connect with one another in a very positive way. And events like this can bring communities, neighborhoods, and people together. When there are tough times, sometimes it actually, uh, people find their purpose in life. They become more kind to one another, more helpful. They band together in groups and come up with creative and innovative solutions. And there are so many communities uh, throughout California right now who are on that kind of trajectory. So my feeling is uh, that, you know, you know, there are a lot of things you can do to kind of protect yourself. Uh, uh, but I think banding together with friends and neighbors and saying, well, if something struck us, well, are we prepared for this? Uh, like on a practical level, to be prepared with flashlights and batteries, uh, bottled water and dried food and, and, and things like that, to prepare yourself on a practical level. But on internally, the worst thing you can do is get afraid and scared. And, and uh, the, the thing is to open yourself to the greater and grander solutions, which I think are available to all of us in my life. The toughest things that have happened to me have been the instruments for my personal growth as a human being. All right. Does that? I hope that helps you, uh, Marcia or Maria. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm gonna. You know, here's a tough one for you, Linda. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you know, there there is a website uh, out there that has a document called the Predictions Document. Now, this document is aimed at evaluating. The various astrologers, yourself included, uh, that have appeared on Coast to Coast. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> All right. Okay. So you know about, you know, well, this know document this basically who... says the average Joe Blow does 2.6% better than the astrologers at predictions. Here's my question, and I don't mean, again, to put you on a spot, but, you know, you're going to make a prediction, and sometimes these predictions aren't right. They just don't happen the way you see them. Why is that? Well, because I'm a human being, and I'm doing the best. Oh, I don't mean you personally. I mean astrologers oh, at large. Astrologers. Well, yeah. It, you know, it's very hard to say that because I do not think in any way, shape, or form that we astrologers have the right predictions for absolutely everything. There are some issues that I stay away from and don't get myself involved with because I think it's out of my uh, league. Um, we simply look at what historically happened in previous times when similar or identical occurrences in the heavens occurred. And we make a prediction back that things were, are never exactly identical in the sky right. anyway. Uh, so there's always something over here in left field that is different than what was there before. So yeah, and, is, and forgive me for interrupting, but it seems like also you may look at what happened, you know, uh, I don't know, let's, let's pick a year, 1710, when these things all lined up, but it happened in Greece. And you bring that forward and say, well, it, it might happen in Britain or it might happen in America. How does that happen? I mean, how do you well, do that? Well, you, you really have to look at the individual charts of all of these nations. Like I can say right now, you brought up 
uh, Greece that the solutions that they're proposing and everything for Greece are very, very unlikely to work or to play out in the immediate future because I'm looking at the individual chart of modern Greece and looking at the planets going through their chart. So I, I can see that the struggle in that society is going on, that I, I, I really seriously doubt that, that the Germans or the Euro, European Union are going to come up with a magic bullet for Greece right now. Uh, you have to look at all of these individual charts. Uh, I, and I also can't speak for the predictions of other astrologers. I can say, though, that that website you talked about, when I went there, it's as if this person never listened to the broadcast. That, that I was on and what I actually said during that broadcast. He extracted one sentence from some of the reviewers that had said that we were coming out of our coma, and, and that was it. He never looked at the, the predictions that I have made on Coast to Coast. Uh, also, he never looked at my website newsletter predictions. He just made a kind of general statement. So what this guy is saying that about our predictions, he himself is <laughs> Yeah. You know, and, and unfortunately, really... that that often happens with uh, the naysayers, the skeptics. I don't know. Hey, listen, no. I, I promised that we go to the economy, and we've got questions in the chat room and, and yeah. calls. We try and get it all in here. In your book, you discuss the economy, and you actually make investment advice in your newsletter as well. Tell us about the earnings record of some of your recommendations and what you are currently recommending, huh? Well, I haven't kept track of my earnings record because I'm not... Oh, come on now. Uh, well, actually, Eldon, I'm not uh, licensed to be a personal financial counselor. What okay. I do as an astrologer is I look at what I think is the trajectory of the economy as a whole, the global economy, the American mm -hmm. economy, which is recently been separated into Main Street and Wall Street, and, and many times the twain doesn't even meet, particularly since the Wall Street disasters have been bailed out, so to speak, and, and Main Street has been left uh, holding the bag. But I do say this, that because of looking at previous times in history <clears throat> and looking at the planets, that I have recommended uh, on my newsletters since 2005 and in my book that gold may be a better place to be because I see historic cycles that are threatening the solvency of currencies, uh, that currencies in general, national currencies, the euro dollar and the American dollar, uh, are in real danger of cycles of massive in inflation. And there are a lot of reasons I could go into for this. It, it's <coughs> uh, uh, that, <coughs> that people are going, a lot of people are going to lose faith in the steadiness of currency. And gold is a place that a lot of people will have been going and will be going. Gold has done better uh, than Wall Street has done overall over the past several years. So this has been, I, I have said um, that I think now another thing is commodities. Uh, oil, for instance, oil, gas, uh, grains, things. Because of global climate change, there have been a lot of difficulties with crops, failures of crops which have brought commodities up. But dealing in commodities is a very difficult thing to do. 
and you you have to be Especially prepared. Especially if you have a banking failure, a currency failure. Yes, exactly. It gets very, very complicated. And although I have felt over the past several years that commodities are, are like rare earths and uh, as well, the commodities are it's, it's complicated to get in and out of yeah. commodities. Okay, let me, we're really running short of time here, and, and I've got one that I've got to know about. You've indicated that the world will discover a new form of energy, one that we are not now aware of. Do you have any more insight on that in about, you know, one minute or less? Yes, I, I'm so glad you asked that question because I have a, a very deep-seated feeling about this in addition to the astrology behind it, is that I believe that see, Uranus square Pluto has an upside. The last time in 1933 they split the atom in London, the first experiment with splitting the atom happened. Right. Uh, and based on that and other things, with Pluto, uh, Jupiter, Saturn in 2020 going into Aquarius and Pluto going into Aquarius, I believe that a breakthrough in energy, maybe a, more than one breakthrough, is going to take place. And part of this may be hydrogen fusion, which has already been done. There have been, uh, I've reported on my newsletter that there are two companies, one in England and one in the United States that have erected 192 lasers pointed at one small pellet of hydrogen and released All right, more we, energy. We're just out of time. Listen, I want you in like 15 seconds, tell our audience how they can read your newsletter, how they can find you, how they can learn more about you, Linda. Okay, Eldon, my newsletter is Soothe Sayer, S-O-O-T-H-E-S-A-Y-E-R.com. My newsletter is on that website, and a new one goes up the first of every month. You don't have to subscribe. There's no money involved. It is All printed right, out right on the website. That's soothsayer.com. Guess Linda Sherman. Book, What Next? A Survival Guide to the 21st Century. And we're out of time. Another hour of provocative enlightenment has gone by. I hope you enjoyed the show and will join us again next week. Same time, same place, wherever you are in the world. And remember this. Believing in yourself always matters. <laughs>